Wait, what did they remove? Uh, like, other than the audio jack that happened in the south. Well, the home button, for one. What? <laughs> you know that? Oh you my god! That? <laughs> How do you live? iPhone X or iPhone 10, however you'd like to call it. My opinion is a very controversial phone for me. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I'm not, I don't think I'd be a huge fan of it. Uh, Eric, what do you think about it? Because since you just got it yesterday, what makes I'm it different than the rest? The display is great. You know, portrait mode is great. Camera is great. Um, face ID is convenient, if nothing else. Uh, Have you had any uh, issues with Face ID yet? I mean, it's, it's slower than Touch ID, but it's it's whatever. Does it seem kind of gimmicky to you, or do you feel like it's going to be implemented throughout the rest of iPhone's life? I think it can be implemented all right. I uh, just saw the, a video about this yesterday. Uh, a technology company called Razer just released uh, their first ever uh, phone, uh, and they implemented a fingerprint scanner on the power button, which is on the side of the phone. I heard that a lot of people wish that uh, Apple would have done that for the iPhone X. Well, I, the having a fingerprint scanner on the power button wouldn't work very well because most cases cover up the power button. Yeah. <laughs> Who needs one when you can just break it on the table? But like on the home button, just bam, unlock, done. Actually, uh, OtterBoxes, uh, they have a case that covers uh, the screen too, and uh, they... <clears throat> You can get like a clear part around the home button and it'll still read your fingerprint. So I, you could just put a similar plastic on just that portion of the uh, power button and then it should just be able to read your fingerprint. I have heard uh, a lot of controversy about the iPhone X and that it removed a lot of the primary features that the previous iPhones had. Eric, have you noticed anything along those lines? I mean, I, I also have the 7 so I'm used to no audio jack. but. Yeah, I don't have any... Wait, what did they remove? Uh, like, other than the audio jack that happened in the seven. Well, the home button, for one. What? <laughs> you know that? Oh you my god! That? <laughs> How do you live? I actually... I'm used to it already. Actually. So, do you not have Touch ID at all now? No, that, that, that's why they have Face ID. Yeah, that's replaced by Oh Face my ID. god. Oh my god! <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I feel like from that we found out Tyler's probably not going to be buying the iPhone X. God no, that's disgusting. Why? I'm going to be getting an iPhone fairly soon, and I'm probably not going to get the iPhone X one for the price point. In my, in my, I'm just going to get the eight plus because it still has the home button. I don't really care about the audio jack because I don't really listen to music a whole lot on my phone. Uh, Touch ID is really nice on iPhones, uh, and having a physical home button can be nice. They also. Uh, in 
after they removed the home button, they decided they would add other features in order to replace it, essentially. Uh, right here it says they added a swipe from the button bottom to go home, uh, swipe up and pause for multitasking, uh, press and hold the side button to invoke Siri, double click the side button for Apple Pay, unlock the face ID, which we talked about, and tap to wake display. So they did add things to replace the home button, although I don't know but, but everything, I prefer it. Everything that they did was all software. They, they removed some of the more physical stuff and then they charged more for it. Yeah. Seems kind of backwards. I have heard from uh, Matus particularly, he is a fan of removing the home buttons and all sorts of stuff like that because it makes waterproofing easier and it makes a lot of other aspects of making the phone uh, more durable a lot better. I've had a phone with, uh, no, with the only physical buttons being the power button and the volume racker. I much prefer, uh, like the way that Samsung does it, having one physical home button and then having two, like a multitasking screen and uh, a back button on the phone too. I was a fan of my uh, S5 Active, which had all tactile buttons. There were no mm -hmm. digital buttons. I was a big fan of that because it felt like whenever I pushed the button, there was more of an actual response. Now if something freezes and I try to press the uh, back button and nothing happens, I'm not even sure if it registered that I picked the button up. Or I mean, pushed the button, really. I thought that it was gonna be uh, really bad when the Apple actually removed, the first time they removed the home button, where it was just like a touch type thing. But it, honestly, it feels a lot more satisfying from the 7 and how the home button feels compared to the actual click. Because I know that a lot of people, their home button stopped working. Like my uh, iPhone or like iPod 3 was a touchscreen. It was an early touchscreen. It was nifty for its time. You gotta admit, it felt pretty cool with it. But uh, <laughs> like as soon as that stopped working, it, it was almost impossible to use for like a couple of weeks because you'd always press the home button for something. And you had to get the uh, some button on the screen, and sometimes it'd freeze up, and now you're just screwed with a phone that's dying because it's stuck in a perpetual state of frozenness. I actually, I, I actually like the buttons that they or the buttons that they have on the uh, iPhone now, even though it's not an actual button. The with uh, the little uh, vibrator and the button, it, or where the button is. It, you really can't tell the difference. After feedback, yeah. Like honestly, when I, t I tested out my uh, friends back when he first got the iPhone Seven, I honestly thought there was a button on it. So yeah, you really can't tell the difference. I've also heard there were uh, there were rumors prior to the announcement of the phone where you'd be able to look at the phone to mute notifications and things along those lines. Have you noticed anything like that? Any major differences in software or hardware other than the removal of the home button? Uh, not really. The one annoyance I have actually is what you were talking about a little bit before was like sliding up and holding for the uh, multitasking. I think that is much I, more annoying than double tapping the home button. I can see how that's that'd be frustrating because I'm watching you do it and it takes like a second to second and a half for the multitasking screen to come up. Mm -hmm. I can see how that would hinder the user experience. And I know they also changed the interface. Have you noticed any other changes with the operating system or with just how the uh, menus and stuff look in general. There is um, swipe down from the right oh, for taskbar. Swipe down from the left for notifications. I don't know. I feel about that. Yeah. It was just. Up and I'm pretty sure that's just from the recent software update that came on the. So is that on all iPhones up to the five or something? No, this is just X. For, yeah, swipe down for taskbar. Swipe 
down from the left. It's a good thing you're off the front. Is our software update? But it is. There's also, I'm, I definitely wouldn't buy the iPhone anyways because in general I'm just not a big fan of Apple or their products or marketing. I mean, I can understand their computers, but their phones, I mean, if you go, okay, one of the main reasons that I absolutely hate anything that is Android or Google is that all, they're not very, uh, like, tough with, like, the apps that are on there because I'll look up an app, say it was, um, let's, Subway Surfers back when that was a thing for some reason. You would look it up, and there were just all of these, uh, like, posts after the game was made, cheaply made, garbage that is just, like, well, lined up, and it's difficult to find the actual app. That is another difference. When you're developing a game for the Apple Store versus the Google Play Store, in the Apple Store, I believe it's around $100 to get the license, and you have to pay that every single year that you want to continue to develop games, to develop games for the store. For Google Play, it's only $50 initially, and I don't believe you have to pay any more afterwards. And they're a lot less strict in their vetting process, which I'm, in general, a fan of for technology and the internet. I like having an open platform where multiple people are allowed to uh, uh, to develop and to add their own ideas, because I believe it allows for more uh, innovation. I mean, what you just brought up was like, it's nice to have more because you can have people that like want to do what they want to do and it gives them the option to get their foot in the door so that way they can do what they want to do. But I just find iOS just way smoother than any Android. Yeah, game. I've heard a lot of people complain about TouchWiz. I've never really had a big problem with it because in general I'm not a phone person. I really only use my phone for communicating with people and sometimes I'll play one or two games on it while I'm bored on like the bus or something like that. But, Touchwood has become a lot lighter throughout the years because uh, I remember uh, the older Samsung phones. Uh, Touchwood was very heavy. Now, now I actually I'm a fan of Touchwood, but the main reason I'm going to an iPhone after uh, my Samsung uh, is because all the new Samsungs have the curved the curved edge edge displays, which look really nice, but they're a lot easier to break the screen and they're also a lot more expensive to replace the screen. And also for those of you who don't know, we were mentioning TouchWiz earlier. I realized some, n not all of you will necessarily know what that is. TouchWiz is the, uh, it's basically the interface that was created by Samsung for their phones. It's what, when you touch the uh, phone, when you try to activate an app or something like that, it registers the input and then proceeds to do whatever it is you wanted it to do. So if I slide down, it will pull the notifications bar down. If I tap on Google Chrome, it'll open up Google Chrome. And a lot of people have complained about it being very slow and unresponsive. Ah, uh, I see. Our, our, our nice, humble uh, tech guy named Eric Mohair. That's me. Just need to let him you. get brought back up again. Pulled it up for me. How pulled it? It's very nice. Thank you, kind sir. But one thing um, that I was trying to segue to until I was cut off by Alex is that one thing that Apple, I guess you could say, brought up through that $100 per year is in-app purchases, which brought back loot boxes to games you had to pay $60 for. That's insane. And say for Battlefront 2, its entire progression system was built around something you had to pay for and or slave away your like 10 hours to get one loot box. Microtransactions, and arguably my least favorite thing to ever come to any video game ever, <sighs> is 
entirely the fault of the mobile market and MMOs, massive multiplayer online games like World of Warcraft, which brought in item malls and uh, microtransactions and uh, cosmetic items that you can pay extra for. It's just absolutely ruined games and brought a lot of unbalance to it. I mean, uh, Shadow of War, a game that recently came out, a lot of people were complaining about it because a lot of the content is locked behind a paywall or a grind wall which means you either have to spend several hours trying to achieve one task, or you can just give them $20 and achieve it instantly. I mean, what's the thing that's really funny is, like, when you bring it up, it's kind of slimy the way they do it, is they put it out there, like, oh, look at this, it's so great, we brought this thing to this game that nobody wanted, except for the people that play different sorts of games, so we can try to bring them in, but they're not coming to this game, and so everybody complains, and they're like, oh, let's rework this to something that we're not getting so heated over. It's just a, it's a blatant cash grab. It's really disappointing to see that the market is leaning more towards just desperately wanting money, even though they don't have that much of a need for money. These companies are making excessive amounts of money from a single game. They have no need to put in 20, 30, 40 dollar microtransactions. Like GTA Online, I mean, you, they, made, they, are, they made back all their money through pre-orders itself. And then when GTA, that's for GTA, but for GTA Online when it came out and the further it got, you could notice that the prices of the things you wanted to get in the game got really high to in like price range where you're like, I'd have to do the same exact yeah. heist to get the same amount of money with people that it's very hard to find certain people because they're like nobody plays it anymore, and, and then, it just uh, killed the game unless you want to go off play. of that GTA thing. When the game first came out, that wasn't really an issue. Rockstar had promised that they would add single player DLC. Uh, single-player content, all sorts of stuff to the game for free to expand upon it. But then when they released online and they realized that Shark Cards, the in-game, the way of buying in-game currency was way more profitable, they lowered the amount of money that you got from doing jobs and then made everything more expensive and with each successive content add-on made things even more expensive. And none of the content None of the content went to the single player, it all went to the multiplayer. No, there's absolutely zero content which, added to the single player. Which in my opinion I'm okay with because multiplayer was a lot more fun than... I, I really liked the single player. I, the, the story I, and the characters were... The amazing. campaign was very good, but there's nothing like just going on and playing with your friends, just doing like, like robbing stores and stealing cars and stuff but, like well, that. Uh, one thing that can be brought up about this is the balancing issue with people that are flying around with jets that can dive bomb you and kill you with tanks that are basically almost invulnerable. And one thing I want to like say about this is is that uh, Activision patented oh, a man. new form of like of uh, like logging in your playtime and seeing all that. And so when you're playing, let's say uh, it wasn't brought in for World War II, the new Call of Duty that just came out, but later down the line they could implement this. And basically, what it does is that when you're playing, they put you in a game where you do really good. And they'll make you feel good at first, like they're like, oh, I like this game. But let's say there you play like 15 games, and then you hit a game where they'll put you in a lobby with people that like a lot of people have DLC weapons, and you'll start getting crushed because they're gonna put you in with these guys that have DLC weapons in a high skill gap, and then through that you're gonna be like, oh, I'm doing bad. They have these guns. I should probably buy this. But it's like basically just. Getting you to buy these things through the way you play and how shady that is. I mean, what happened to paying 60 bucks and getting yeah. a game that you paid it's, $60 uh, for? I've seen a lot of pictures where people bring it up. They'll 
say like uh, games in like the 80s or the 90s and you spend 30 to 40 dollars and you get like the full thing and then games today and it shows a burger that's been taken apart and the buns are five dollars and the burgers sixty dollars ketchup's like thirteen dollars and stuff like that when you look at it from a business standpoint though there's there's no wonder why they're doing it because they, they, they can make extra money for just a little bit of coding it, it makes a ton of money and i mean half the time the dlc the add-ons and stuff like that you pay for they just, they're not good, and they just add content that was should have been in the game to begin with. Like, I mean, you look at Fallout 4, <laughs> Battlefront, but you look at Fallout 4, the campaign was really underwhelming for me. I've played almost every single Fallout game before. My favorite by far has been New Vegas, which had significantly more content in the base game. And then Fallout 4 just, it only had like a small selection of weapons that were actually useful in the game, and you could never get ammunition or anything for them because it was so rare when you found a good weapon. Are you saying that you only used the Fat Man for a multi for yeah. most of the game? No, I ended up using, was it the 15mm pistol for most of the game? What? It's whatever, the starting pistol that you get. The 10mm? Yes, that. I couldn't remember what it was called, okay? I ended up using that for the majority of the game. You, wait, the majority, like, hey, so the game you're talking about right now, Fallout 4, yes. it's not, there's... Yes, there is the main campaign, which was a little under, underwhelming, not overwhelming. Definitely not overwhelming, God no. But um, I felt like it was well done to the point to where instead of just being broad and just a huge world with nothing to do, that was packed tight of stuff you could do a lot of. Not only they added the settlement system where you can either love or hate it, but there were a lot of side missions and side quests for it that really interesting I mean uh, going to that uh, tower and getting strong and uh, which sounds weird he's a <laughs> he's a uh, person you can recruit to follow you around and help you but I never actually played Fallout 4 but from what I heard, heard from some of my friends is it's still a good game it was just way overhyped it's a good game but it wasn't as good as the previous Fallout games in my opinion and it wasn't up to the standard of most games that I've been playing nowadays I mean, pretty much the gold standard of games right now is The Witcher 3, which had, it was, it's $40 now, I think, for the full game, and you get 30 plus hours of content in the full game, tons of content on the map, and the story is so well made, I didn't even realize while I was playing it that I was fully progressing through the story. You started in one town, and you end up at the, uh, was it the Bloody Baron? I didn't even realize that that was a different, like, portion of the quest. I was just going about the game playing it. It was just so smooth and so well done. None of it was jarring. To Not me. to mention the add-ons they did for it. Like, they were well made. They felt like it was just an ex like, yeah. it felt perfect. I mean, yeah. you didn't need the add-ons. They were just, oh. The add-ons were much cheaper than most other games make them, and it added a significant amount of content. Uh, one of them adds an entire second area of the map called, it's, what is it, Toussaint? Yeah, Toussaint. And it's basically, it's based off of France in the same time period, and it's much more colorful, it's much more lively than the rest of the map, and it has a significantly higher population, stuff like that. And, um... Sorry, we, Eric just distracted us. I am, um, that was my fault, yes. Yeah, but uh, the, the game was just, it had amazing developers, it had really good content. I never felt like, I always felt like I was engaged in the game, but with Fallout 4 and with some other games nowadays, it removed 
a lot of the content that just should have been in the game to begin with. And then the DLC was overpriced and barely added anything to the game. It was maybe it two was... hours and a few items. Wait, hold on. So they were they had their first round of DLC, which was only like forty bucks. And I understand like the first two. I mean, uh, Far Harbor I loved because it just added in this like nice uh, rustic feeling town, like a night. It's Far Harbor, so it's a harbor town full of. Um, like wrecked ships and pl crashed planes and just like just a good story to continue it from but they only charge forty dollars for their first season pass and when they decide to make more dlc they decide not to up it for not too long because they wanted people to it didn't need to get upped but the people they were uh trying to sell it to i'm sorry i just got off track but let's segue into something else Tesla. Let's start talking about Tesla. Enough about DLCs. DLCs are the way the world turns now, bud. The new world order will... Yeah. Will. Pretty soon our cars will have DLCs. You want a mirror? <laughs> That's an extra $30. I mean, we're already heading that way. Actually, we're kind of heading the opposite way with cars. Uh, a lot, more and more safety things have become standard. Well, that's, because of, that's primarily because of Tesla. And the amazing... Just... Uh, Precedence that they've been setting. And the brilliant man behind it, Elon, Elon Musk. Musk. My dude, I love you. Man, he's doing some weird stuff. He's doing a lot of stuff for technology and the world in general. It's he's really going to bring us to Mars. <laughs> Hopefully. From flex fuel to no fuel. Just for those of you who don't know, Elon Musk was uh, one of the guys who created flex fuel, which means you can use uh, ethanol, which is a type of gas made from corn. Uh, or just normal gasoline. Like and that, that, that's how he uh, became rich and he just... Well, no, he didn't become rich off of that. He became rich first because he developed his own program and sold it. And then he made the company, um, it was like something X or X Space, something. Space SpaceX? X? No, no, no. <laughs> he didn't make SpaceX yet. He made the company that he would later sell to PayPal. And then he made the practice of giving everyone who signed up for PayPal $15 that made PayPal what it is today. And then he sold his share of PayPal to create SpaceX. SpaceX is cool, man. SpaceX is They're doing some cool stuff. NASA's pretty much giving everything to SpaceX nowadays anyways, because SpaceX is responsible for creating the first ever rocket that they could send into space and then bring back down to Earth and reuse, which is where most of the cost of the rocket went to. And another thing is, uh, Elon Musk and Tesla in general, like, their cars, from what I, I think, they're pretty expensive, aren't they? For, like, being ahead of its time. They're, they're making, isn't it, four models, each with varying degrees of uh, expenses? Is that correct, Alex? You probably know more about this. Uh, the tes Teslas, I believe they're... I think they're only making, like, two, maybe, maybe three. No, That's... I know he's already patented and like planned four models there was the model s the model 3 the model x and the model y well speaking of the model 3 that uh just brought something very significant to our boy musky but the model 3 uh from what i just read actually caused Elon Musk to lose 800 million dollars really just from a seven percent drop in sales for the model 3. oof yeah, and it looks like it would hit hard, but... Oh, well, $8 million. What's his net worth? $800 million. What is his net worth? He's the 100th richest person in the world, I believe. Oh, 
he's tied for 100th with like oh, three yeah. other people. Billion. Didn't uh, the CEO of Amazon just surpass Bill yes. Gates? That was so recent that Forbes hasn't even had time to update the list. Wait, how much does the CEO of Amazon have now? I believe he his entire net worth, including properties and stuff, is like 91 billion, whereas um, Bill Gates is like 88 billion. You know, if you could just give me like a million dollars, if I invest it right, I'm pretty sure I'll be good. So if my boy, whatever your name is, the CEO of Amazon wants to hit me up, he has, feel free to. He has enough money to give everybody in the world a billion dollars, and he'd still have a lot of money left over. You don't know how this works, dude. He just if, said, if he gave everyone in the world a billion dollars, he'd be able 91 to give people. 91 people a billion dollars and he'd be broke. Afterwards. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I have my numbers wrong there. No, how about like a thousand? What or a hundred thousand even. So Elon Musk is only worth 19.4 billion. Still. And he's the hundredth richest person in the world. So there's, there's a lot of money in those people. I'm waiting for that trillion, dude. We're only a... Uh, Nine hundred nine billion dollars out. Are these people like nothing compared to uh, Rockefeller? Yeah, I believe it's Rockefeller, Carnegie, and a few other people. I can't remember their specific names. Wasn't well, their net the, worth uh, back then, like today, worth like a trillion? Um, I don't believe it was quite that. No, much. there's no. But way I know it was, it was like if you adjust for inflation, I, it was excessive amounts of wealth. So I know it's like something where nobody today is touching it, not even close. Not not even remotely close. What, what uh, is Eric, noise? what's new in there, bud? Let's pause that, thank you very much. He's involving Elon Musk with uh, SpaceX. He made a, I think it was a carbon fiber fuel tank. It was a massive fuel tank for one of his rockets made entirely out of carbon fiber. It would, to pick on carbon fibers is a is awesome it's it's super really cool it's super strong it's a really resilient material and it's super light it's honestly great for Whoa. stuff like race cars and uh well rockets i guess the massive also, steel had uh carbon nanotubes in it which made it so light and so durable people don't actually know how damascus steel worked no but steel. like every time they get a damascus steel blade and they deconstruct it they never learn how it works but they learn more about it mm -hmm. and what they found were uh was that somehow some way they got carbon nanotubes in damascus steel oh my god it's entirely by accident too so that's impressive and i mean carbon nanotubes carbon fiber and stuff like that isn't necessarily like the uh perfect material that a lot of people claim it is there are downsides to it like the way that carbon fiber works is it's a bunch of nanotubes that are bound together with an epoxy so it is only as strong as the epoxy and is only strong in one direction if you just pull it apart from the other nanotubes it has no strength whatsoever so it's really good being compressed and it's really good in one direction, but the other direction's not nearly as strong. In is it similar to like how wood works with the grain? If you like, whenever you like compress like all the grains together, it's like really strong. But if you like, it's like a baseball bat. Like if you hit it one way, it'll work. But if you hit it the other way, it'll like crack the bat. Yeah, pretty much. It loses all of its strength and. Whichever direction it wasn't bound, or whichever direction it was bound in. Isn't that uh, the reason that uh, a lot of companies like weave their like weave carbon fiber fiber strips together? So you it, have to do that. You have to weave it together as if it were like a blanket or something like that. Otherwise, it just won't work. Nice carbon fiber blanket to warm you up during the winter in the Soto Sea. <laughs> It'd be a very expensive blanket. To oh warm my you gosh! Up yes, it would. 
carbon fiber is so expensive. It's ridiculous. What's like the like price per gram of carbon fiber, if that's how it's measured? I'm not sure. Uh, I know it's, it's not nearly as expensive as it used to be because people are making like little uh, trinkets and stuff out of carbon fiber nowadays, but it's still pretty expensive. For, at least from in terms of the material. Well, a lot of the trinkets that people make out of carbon fiber is fake carbon fiber. What do you mean? Like, like all these uh, fake knife producers that have, it's a carbon fiber uh, blade or whatever. It's just like a, it's, some It's toe. fake. Yeah. Well, that's something you gotta deal with in manufacturing I mean, a lot. just know when you're paying like $10, 17 per pound, that's not bad. It's not bad, but it's that's a lot when you a pound is not a lot though. You also have to you have to take uh, it. Well, you said it was account. it was a lightweight uh, fabric. Well, yeah. So, so a but pound like, would be it's a decent amount. Like you, it, these knives are advertised. If it's lightweight, you actually have right, if it's fiber. lightweight, yeah, you're getting a lot of it, but you also don't get to use all of that when you're producing the material. Well, yeah, the way it's cut, you have to throw a lot of it away. Over wait, so it's been over forty years since it's been developed. I thought it was pretty recent. Well, it became practical very recently, but it's been in existence. Because about 40 time. years ago, it was around 120 dollars. My bad per pound. Is that what the thing says? Yes. <laughs> then yeah. It's not your head in the Greek, huh? <laughs> I mean, it's gone from the point to uh, it's a lot. It's a lot like a lot of other technologies, where like NASA or some science development company will create it and it'll be really expensive and then it'll slowly trickle its way down to the consumer and all sorts of different practical applications. It's very similar uh, about how computers, like in computer parts work, because uh, I remember my dad My dad built a computer when, while he's, when he was in college. He had like a 300 megabyte, or no sorry, 500 megabyte hard drive and he said it cost him $300. Whenever I built my computer in 2014, I bought a one terabyte hard drive yeah. for 50 bucks. Uh, the first ever computer I used was a hand-me-down for my aunt. It had a 70 gigabyte hard drive in it. The computer itself cost probably around $1,000. Nowadays, if you spent $1,000 on a computer, you would get several times a 70 gigabyte hard drive. You'd probably get close to like a 500 gigabyte SSD with that price range. Mm -hmm. Like with a 10 terabyte external hard drive with it. Yeah, that stuff's starting to get ex extensive uh, to the point where we might actually be using petabytes pretty soon, which is 100 terabytes. Really? Oh my god. Or is it 1,000 terabytes? Probably 1,000. Yeah, usually I, it's I like think it is, it's 1,000, my bad. Um, Wait, so like, do we have a highest or does it just, they just come up with that name recently? No, it's using um, SI unit, the, what is it called, metric. Oh, it took me a minute. Can't believe I couldn't think of that. Solid state <laughs> drives are getting cheaper too. Yes, they're getting way cheaper. And uh, there have been a lot of other ideas for storage memory devices because right now we're using solid state drives, SSDs, which the S implies it uses a solid material to store the information. Now they're making liquid state drives. I don't believe they're going to be called LSDs because that's a bit of a misnomer. <laughs> don't, don't take it. You'll die. Yeah, no. And then they're also no really liquid. Yes. And, then, and not only are they working on liquid, but they're working on potentially using DNA as a form of storage because the DNA in your body holds a ridiculous amount of information. I think it, yeah, one strand of DNA held like in excess of several petabytes of information. So if they could just get a small amount of DNA to work as a storage device to be able to rewrite it, can you imagine how much information we'd be able to download and keep on our computers? 
But like, okay, so if they were to do this, what would they be using? Like, were they using animal DNA? Would they like how? They just they're how? capable of developing DNA, and they would also probably take advantage of CRISPR, the uh, DNA like modification yeah. tool. I don't know a whole lot about that subject, so uh, I can't really afford to get into it. But Oof. It's very amazing technology that we're working towards. And I mean, that's how computers are in general. What we are currently on for processors, I believe the next processor is supposed to be a 9 nanometer FinFET. That means that on the processor die, the chip itself, there are microscopic fins going upwards that are nine nanometers apart. They've managed to dig a trench between the silicon nine nanometers in width. That's insane. And it's intending to get even smaller. So uh, they plan on making, after the nine nanometer shrink down, a seven nanometer and then a five nanometer. That's insane. I'm so it, stuck on like, how do you? I mean, it's hard to believe that computers now are, like, it's hard to believe how much faster they can get because most of them are already instant. It's, like, incomprehensibly efficient and small compared to... Like, I mean, the first rocket, the, uh, was it Apollo 9 or Apollo 11 to land on the moon? I think it was the 11. It, it was around that number. I'm disappointed in myself. For it's either 9 or 11. <laughs> but, uh, the, um, computer that was on that ship, the processor for it, the code, was actually woven. It was hand-woven, like, by people who knitted. That's how far we've come in just, what, 50-something years, 60 years? Aliens. It's yeah, all aliens. Yeah. <laughs> we've become so much more efficient that we no longer have to uh, weave our computers. <laughs> Man, it's amazing how far technology's come within, well, 50, 60 years, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I think that's going to be where we call it for the day. We got very far off track with that, but uh, it was all technology, so I'm sure I'll be fine. I'm not sure what we started off with, but it was interesting. <laughs> it was iPhone X. Ah. So, uh, Good job. thanks for joining us for our podcast today, and uh, we'll see you next time. Marching.